0: You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from George Mason University School of Business. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Mark Haas, AEG, Scott Pacheco, and Steve Robbins, Lurch, Early and Brewer, Jeff Morris, Nathaniel Jacobson, and Tim Young, Young Marketing Consulting. We've got a great lineup of guests for you on our show today. Mark, will you please give us the rundown?
1: Yes. Today, we have Mary Davis Gangana, CEO President of DTS Worldwide Transportation, Robert Mite. President and CEO of Innovative Management Concepts, Michael O'Neill, Founder and CEO of GetWell Network, and Ian Schuler, CEO of Development Seed.
0: Well, let's get to know our first guest, Mary Davis-Gangana, CEO and President of DTS Worldwide Transportation. Mary, what is DTS Worldwide Transportation?
2: We are a transportation service located in Spencerville, Maryland, providing mm-hmm. transportation.
0: Mm-hmm. How large or how small is the organization?
2: We have uh, 78 employees, mm-hmm. 43 vehicles.
0: All right, where are you from originally?
2: I am from Lordstown, Ohio.
0: And how many brothers and sisters?
2: I am one of 7.
0: Where were you in the where were you in the pecking order?
2: I am the 6th child.
0: Uh, and tell us was this like a fancy dancing neighborhood that you grew up in?
2: No, uh-huh. we actually uh Lordstown is a small 5 by 5 town mm-hmm. in Ohio.
0: Uh-huh. And you grew up what kind of house did you grow up in?
2: I have I um we are one of I'm um, seven kids, and uh, we grew up in a trailer in mm-hmm. Lordstown, Ohio.
0: Uh-huh, and sounds when we were talking earlier, you mentioned one of your siblings had some medical issues as a, as a kid. Yes. How, how'd, that My, af- uh, how'd that affect you, and what was the medical issue?
2: My older brother mm-hmm. has cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. um, so the summers we had spent taking mm-hmm. care of him. Mm-hmm. He and, had. And how
0: do you think that affected you? What did that teach you? What did you learn from that? It taught me
2: responsibility. It mm-hmm. taught me caring mm-hmm. for my brothers and sisters.
0: More questions, you out there?
1: So, Mary, you have friends growing up. What was it about your best friend that made them your best friend? What was their characteristic and, and their attitude?
2: So, my my best friends were my sisters. Being so close uh, and having so many children in the family, they were my inspiration and they were my best friends.
3: Hmm.
4: Tim, you mentioned when we talked earlier that you had really busted your butt to change your situation. What? motivated you to do that how did you keep going
2: so being being poor motivated me to want more for myself and my siblings um, that is what had me keep going
5: mm-hmm. Scott uh, when you also mentioned that you picked tomatoes and clean houses and mm-hmm. uh, how did that contribute to your sense of responsibility to your family
2: sure so providing for the family all of us uh, getting out at a young age working at the farm. And uh, you just had to learn to take care of each other and provide. Mm
6: -hmm. Steven? Um, Yeah, Mary, it sounded like you had a uh, relatively rough upbringing, but uh, also positive experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you, um, you mentioned that you also had worked at McDonald's um, and that there were leadership um, individuals there that really helped you along the way. Did you end up going to college?
2: Right. So uh, working at McDonald's, uh, it it did teach me not just leadership, but it taught me how to work well with others. Um, I did go to college for six months, but I uh, learned most of my education from uh, being a shift manager at McDonald's. And how
6: does that experience relate to what you're doing today?
2: So what I do now and how I carry that into my business is my employees, we all work similar, like a family. Um, I care about each one of them. They care about us, and we all motivate each other to mm-hmm. be better people and to be the best that we Steve can be.
0: Steve asked you earlier, uh, and it's interesting, you you mentioned that you really got your college education working at McDonald's?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you Ca- mean? Well, uh, when I was at McDonald's, they taught me uh, you know, numbers. I was able to see what, uh, what the figures were for each day. It mm-hmm. taught me how to... Uh, Know, I was self educated mm-hmm. so um, bringing m- working as a team and mm-hmm. providing
0: you also mentioned that um Steve actually mentioned uh, asked you earlier about how you gave back how how do you give back
2: so I promised myself years ago that when I was able to provide for not just my family but all the employees that I was able to give back to those who helped. I do work for cha- I do work with charitable foundations and I give back sh- with my, to my employees.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: So you actually mentioned earlier that, you know, you make sure you take care of your employees first and that you tend to pay them more than what's competitive. Why do you do right? that?
2: Because I, I like to see them succeed. Uh, their success is going to be mine. Um, part of me starting a company was because I want to see things grow and I like to see them provide for their family um but i read
0: the newspapers i thought the game was make as much money as you possibly can Mm -hmm. but it seems to me that you've got a different priority there which is you know really supporting the community let me ask you a question Mm -hmm. earlier when we were talking you mentioned one of the reasons and i think tim brought it out that you wanted to be successful was that you could make the family successful or something like that what was that all about? yeah
2: so being one of, of seven kids i i want to succeed to help them as well just like my employees but whatever i do i always give back to them i want my family to succeed i want my family to be happy mm-hmm. they're my priority jeff
8: what is it about your upbringing that led you to form a transportation company
2: so uh, be- being being a- as poor as we were uh, one day when i saw a limousine uh, it just it was something that you would you would think that only rich people would be in or famous people and i looked at it and i wanted to be in it so then i s- just i thought it was just a <coughs> thing that i would never be able to have but mm-hmm. now i have plenty of them
0: mm-hmm. when you when you were when you worked at that McDonald's what did you do different than all the other kids
2: so when i when i worked at McDonald's i took that very serious i i was not the i I went in every day giving my hundred and fifty percent. I wanted to learn as much as I could. Um, that was my education. Um, so when I went in there, I took charge. I looked at uh, the owners sam and and Al Cavelli, and I wanted to be them
9: mm-hmm. i
2: I mm-hmm. took every opportunity to learn every position from the fry cook to. Uh, you know that the, the cleaning crew you took
0: a real serious Scott what are you thinking
5: uh, it sounds like you have a lot of purpose in your leadership style is it mm-hmm. is it and i'm i'm definitely getting the sense that you're not the lady behind the glass ceo type has that been an, in, an unintentional approach no well as far as um, as far as being relatable to your employees oh, like yes. not being no, not sorry. being the the money grubbing no. ceo stereotypical no, d- ceo
2: it, it, it was from the day one I never wanted to be the CEO that was put in the corner and I mean hidden from everyone I um, I wanted everyone to to be part of this company mm-hmm. and build it with me Jeffrey? I knew
8: mm-hmm. Jeff so given what you said uh, what is about being the six to the seven children um, form your business outlook today
2: so I think it, it, it started me when I, when I have that many brothers and sisters, it, um, it's, I wanted this company to be a family-ran company, but not that mom and pop shop. I still wanted to have that I care about every employee. I care about their children. I nurture them like I was nurtured by my brothers and sisters. They took care of me and now it's time for me to give back to them.
0: Stephen, what are you thinking?
6: I mean, Mary, going back to your childhood, Mm -hmm. um, while you certainly had to work and, and make money and do everything that you were talking about, didn't you also have some very positive aspects to your childhood? Weren't you involved in, in school and a zillion different activities that really made you the person that you are today? Can sure. you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the activities, I, w- I was in track, I was in cross country, I was a cheerleader. Those all helped me uh, form the team um, feeling. Uh, I took charge in those fields. Like, so I you're really the leader. I, I was, because I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she I took charge to of
1: McDonald's as well as everything she got involved with. Mark? So what are you most proud about about your employees?
2: What I'm most proud about is that they have the same belief that I do. We all have the make it happen attitude. We all will work together, but whatever it takes to get something done, we will do mm-hmm. as a team.
4: Tim, what what are you thinking? So you're a self taught CEO. And I'm curious what some of the hardest lessons have been for you to learn.
2: I think the hardest lesson, one of them, is, like was mentioned earlier, i I could probably make more money doing other things, doing you know paying employees less, but some of it is i I have to give my money because of the time that I'm only allowed to spend i I do have two children, I'm a single parent, so it's hard for me to um, stay long hours. So mm-hmm. a lot of employees help me.
9: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, the other thing is the competition out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, being, a comp- be, being in this industry, yeah. I had to find out what other companies were exactly. doing.
0: Mary, what is the website address for DTS Worldwide Transportation?
2: Dtstransportation.com We've
0: been speaking with Mary davis in Ghana. CEO and president of DTS Worldwide Transportation here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Ray Vasquez. And the name of the organization is? Vertex11. And Ray, how do you go about helping your clients?
10: I go around by helping them understand the details that are keeping them from being successful. Like how do you do that? What kind of stuff do you give them a hand with? I go in and understand th- their activities from beginning to end. I've done many of the same jobs myself. And these are security issues? These are security issues and risk issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, where are you from originally? I was born in Newark and raised in Miami, Florida. And did you tell me that you're first generation? First generation, my mom came from Cuba on Catholic charity flight, and my uh, dad came to from Puerto Rico uh-huh. when he was What did that
0: do to you? I mean, How did that affect your mom and dad, both uh, you are being the first generation?
10: I had to learn a lot of growing up in by scratch here in this country. you know. uh, How does that benefit your clients nowadays? It brings the it, it brings resourcefulness and creativity to just about any situation I have to encounter.
0: So when you're working with your clients and you're dealing with different kinds of security issues, the fact that you've had to figure stuff out your whole life actually helps them because if you hit a weird problem, you're able to help figure it out. I tell clients that I know how
10: to do brick jobs, and I know how to fix plumbing, and that level of detail is what allows me to get, get in and find the root cause of
0: a lot of problems. So when you're dealing with a client, as opposed to you having to call in a bunch of other people to try to figure out the details, you're pretty good at the detail as well as the big picture. That's right,
10: because I've, I've had to do both.
0: Uh-huh. Why did you start your own company?
10: I found that being an entrepreneur gives me a level of freedom to make choices and decisions, and... and and t- and th- to pursue the american dream and be honest with you I mean, mm-hmm. my parents came here i needed a, i needed to create the next chapter in that right, story what's the
0: website address
10: vertex11.com let me
0: have that one more time vertex11.com and your name again is ray vasquez and the name of the organization is vertex11 and this has been your business spotlight and your name is
9: melissa golday
0: and the name of your organization
9: morrison forster also known as mofo
0: and what's the n- what do you do special in this organization
9: so I am their director of venture relationships, and I am a, essentially a super connector.
0: And what do you do for the uh, for your clients?
9: Um, I will introduce them to potential financing sources. I help them expand their network with their peer network and help them meet mentors, create educational programs.
0: So in this law firm, you're actually providing a value add to the clients in terms of introducing them to the different kinds of resources, whether it's. Other CEOs that have been there, done that, whether it's money, all this kind of stuff. Where are you from originally?
9: Philadelphia.
0: And when you were a little girl, like, what kind of personality trait did you have?
9: Um, I was I was tough, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: did you like to try to, to connect people up and help protect your friends and stuff like that?
9: I mean, I always had a lot of friends, but I was, um, I was affected by, you know, with civil rights and learning about the Holocaust, and bullying was something that always really bothered me.
0: What bothered you?
9: Uh, like if I saw people being singled out on the playground. I tended to be the one to <laughs> stand up for them
0: What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays?
9: Well, I mean that sent me to law school, so it's empowering
0: And how's that affect what you're doing specifically now with your clients?
9: Yeah, it's uh, I mean I'm able to leverage mofo's resources to make sure I can help women in terms of making sure that they're being included in these critical networks with CEOs um, I can help them meet mentors um, it's just, you know, so you I have really wa- So you really
0: want to do what you're doing for a living. This is not just a job for you. This is really a passion.
9: Oh, I love it. It's who I am.
0: Uh, what do you mean?
9: Uh, you know what? It's, it's, not, it's not work. I mean, I come What's the,
0: What's the website address of your organization?
9: mofo.com. Let me
0: have that one more time.
9: mofo.com.
0: And your name again is? Melissa Goldate. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Robert Mike, President and CEO
11: of Innovative Management Concepts. Robert, what is Innovative Management Concepts? What are you guys doing? We are providing information technology services primarily to the federal government. Uh huh. And where are you from originally? Ohio.
0: How many brothers and sisters?
11: I have an older sister, a younger sister, and a younger brother. Four so you You're us. the
0: second of four. And how many different schools
11: did you go to prior to graduating high school? Six different. Two elementary, four high schools. Uh huh.
0: What do you think the effect of that was?
11: Uh, I enjoyed the moving. It was a tremendous asset to me. Uh, I learned to really enjoy meeting new people, and I never really regretted. Uh, how's that help always. you? In, how's that help you in business? It makes me e- very easy for me to get out and meet people, and, and of course, anytime you're trying to drum up business, mm-hmm. that's important. And it also sounds like
5: uh, going to six schools that you had to navigate a lot of change. Uh, how did that help your approach uh, to running your business? Now,
11: well, I've I've always enjoyed the change, and therefore, I'm able to navigate uh, a movement very very quickly. When something happens and you're losing a contract, you got an opportunity, you jump on it uh, very very easy
6: but when you were you said when you were growing up you moved around a lot and when we spoke earlier you also said that you had basically total freedom from your parents
11: Oh yeah, my parents never ever said no they used to work very hard they gave us a good example and then they let us make our own decisions and by moving around we got to really experience a lot so let
6: me ask you that with the moving around with somewhat of a lack of continuity because you were constantly moving around and your total freedom um how does this relate to how you run your business
11: well the the total freedom is the most important because i give that to my employees if i have to micromanage somebody i don't hire them i let them go pretty quickly because i learned and grew up never being micromanaged and i don't have the time for it and the people aren't very productive when you do that
8: jeff Uh, robert um, you spent 20 years in the air force Um, what is it about your father's service that would have led you into that career
11: It was his work ethic, uh, and he he was very uh, patriotic. Uh, He had some really interesting things when he got sent to Vietnam at 47 and flew 360 combat missions. I asked him how he felt, and he says, that's what they paid me to do. Why wouldn't I go? Mm -hmm. Tim? Uh, You know, when we were talking earlier, your
4: positivity just came across so strongly. Um, And I'm curious, though, because you ran into some health problems when you were in your 20s.
11: Oh, I had something called transverse myelitis. I ended up at Balboa Naval Hospital paralyzed in the intensive care unit. And I was there for a while. They told me I might walk, I might not walk, and I was fortunate. I was very healthy at that age, was running quite a few miles a day, and I recovered. And it, uh, it, I was never really scared during that time. And I think that was just a result of having grown up in a very positive adi- uh, environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, you mentioned at one point
11: in time you, you were divorced. And uh, we're wondering, what you what did you learn from that divorce? You can't be bitter. I th- it took a little while. It wasn't instant. But I think when you finally settle down, th- realize that it's better for everybody to let it go and, and get on with your life. So you know
0: about forgiveness, huh? You have to. Uh-huh. Mark?
1: Uh, what brought you comfort as a child, and, and is that the same kind of thing that brings you comfort today?
11: You, my, my parents, we lived out on a bayou in Florida for five years where the closest friends were two to three a mile and a half two miles away had two sets of friends my parents worked hard they played hard uh they were always there for us but they always let us do what we wanted the whole family's always comfortable my mother's still alive and my younger sister's basically her caregiver even though she's in assisted living she's there every day
6: helping her Mm -hmm. i have a question about this um being able to do whatever you want I'm, I'm intrigued by this total freedom, especially as a young child, and how that has impacted your life. Did you ever get in trouble?
11: Oh, no. I got to watch my sister get in trouble, and when <laughs> she uh, when she got in trouble, well, the three of us, all of us, learned quite quickly what or not did she to just do. cover for you? No, 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 no. We just watched, and we just didn't do what she did that got in trouble, and it worked really well.
8: Mm-hmm. Jeffrey? After uh, leaving the Air Force, you became a f- uh, full-time professor. Um, that normally two careers would be enough for everybody but you've chosen a third, you've moved into business, why is that?
11: Well I I taught at eight universities as an adjunct and a full-time professor finally at George Mason and I love the teaching but once I got to do research full-time or probably half-time I guess is what you would call it, I found out I liked the research better and I ended up getting a woman at DARPA that said I need you to do this research and you got to do it in six months we couldn't sign the contract so I had this company I had started for some innovative management things that was sitting there dormant, and so I decided to move that contract, and two weeks later we had a contract and slowly grabbed another one and then another one and opened the doors, and it was a, kind of an evolution.
0: Scott, what do you think? Uh,
11: I'm
5: fascinated as well, like Steve was, about the total freedom, but you also had structure, being a military brat. Uh, you had a lot of change, you had health limitations, but you also had a strong work ethic. I think you hear of people having one or the other, how were you able to manage all of the different all of the different approaches uh, and experiences that were being thrown at you
11: Well, there really was no management I think uh, the environment I grew up in it was just natural. I think the work ethic just you see somebody working like your mom and your dad and they played hard too. I want to emphasize that it wasn't just hard and they weren't disciplinarians they they gave advice they would say this would be a good idea, this might be a good idea, but you get to make the decision. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, the, you just naturally, it, it really helps you when you grow up in an environment like or that.
1: Would your three siblings recognize you, knowing how they knew you as a kid? Uh, kind of I, I feel
11: so, we're all still very close. We get together down at a lake in Georgia quite often, we have reunions, and we see each other, we talk a lot, so mm-hmm. yeah. I so think they so would.
6: coming from a military background, I'm curious as to, um, where you are today in your IT business, um, you mentioned that you do predominantly government contracts. Do you do any work for the private sector? And if you do, how do you distinguish between, say, your government contracts work and your private sector work?
11: It's not difficult. We do some software development for one firm, and we'll occasionally pick up some support work or help desk, but a very minor part. And. It's really an accounting issue is all it is.
6: Do you think it's your background in being a military brat and having father and then you?
11: When I couldn't fly, the Air Force said your left eye is bad. I went into research and development, and I learned all about government contracts. The uh, first contract specialist called me in our office after about three months and said, you're going to go to jail, Bob, but I'm going to keep you out of jail today. (laughs) But don't you ever do that again. And so I started learning about government contracts from a contract administrator's perspective.
4: Robert, thinking back to, you know, the example of your parents, um, you know, what other role models did you have, and what did they teach you when you were coming up?
11: Well, as a youngster, I didn't have a lot of role models other than my parents, but when I got into college, I had a professor that let me go to graduate school. I probably didn't deserve to, but he let me go, and, and that made a big difference, and I went on and got three different graduate degrees, and it was, I still, I went to his 90th birthday last year. He's a tremendous man, so... Just moving around a lot, uh, some of my dad's friends that were pilots, I got to know them later in life, and they became good friends of mine, even though we were a generation apart. So you stayed close to a number of people throughout your whole life? Uh, there a few people, yes. The ones that I've stayed close to, I've stayed very close How to. How
0: does that affect your building the team?
11: Uh, I'm very close to my people. As a single parent, I knew I had to leave the office a lot of times and just drop stuff, and I tell every one of my employees, if you've got a family issue... Any problem, sickness, anything, leave, go, take care of it. it I said I had like to do it. You really it, know you can depend on your people, don't you? Oh, I I don't like to micromanage. Mm-hmm. It's too much work. Mm-hmm. So. Scott, uh,
5: and what do you hope to? Uh, what do you hope that your kids pick up from you? What would be one or two things that you really hope they take forward?
11: That you you really have to give your own children freedom to make their decisions when they're young. They make little mistakes when they're young, and they make a lot fewer big mistakes when they're older. If they've already Learn how to make good decisions. Wow. What's the website address of
0: Innovative Management
11: Concepts, Robert? IMCVA.com. Let me have
0: that one more time.
11: IMCVA.com. We've been
0: speaking with Robert Might, who's the president and CEO of Innovative Management Concepts here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, it's executiveleadersradio.com. Stick around. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. and your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization
12: are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts.
0: And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special?
12: Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, The conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land.
0: Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh And what's your role in the organization?
12: I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? make sure i have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs
0: so how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis what's that look like well on a weekly
12: basis on a full house we'll have uh, 900 per night um, 7 nights uh, 6300 which translates to about 20,000 meals a week wow and uh, your job, are you working nine to five, or do you end up having to
0: work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that?
12: No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you wh- wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients, because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan, uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such.
0: So you're, you're, well you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you?
12: We are. Uh-huh.
0: What's the website address of this organization?
12: ConferenceCenter.com.
0: Let me have that again.
12: ConferenceCenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. And your name is?
3: K tuning and the
0: name of the organization
3: McBride Real Estate Services. And what do you guys do? We are a commercial real estate firm. We're a boutique firm that represents tenants.
0: Uh huh. So you don't represent uh, you don't represent the uh, landlords or anything like Typically that. Typically
3: not. Most of our business is tenant reps.
0: So there's no conf- there's no conflicts there. Th- when you're representing correct. a tenant, it's only the tenant. You don't that's have to correct. worry about you know the land- You're trying to rent the landlord's building, so the tenant doesn't get a great deal that way.
3: That's right. We uh-huh. have no conflict.
0: Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So what do you like about your job?
3: Oh, I love several things. You get a wide variety of clients that have very different businesses. So you get a great array view of different people's business. Where'd
0: your deep sense of humanness come from?
3: (sighs) That's a great question. I've always been curious about people. I've always loved people and interaction.
0: Does that does that fact that you love people and interaction have anything to do with uh, your success in your career?
3: I think so. I think so because like we you know, we relate to people. We um, no no no. It
0: says here you're, you're in the real estate business. You mm-hmm. you rent real estate.
3: We do, but what's you're, that have to do with Essentially, people? we're solving problems for them, and we put their um, strategies on paper. We figure out where they need to go in their real estate uh, pro forma. And we help them solve that problem. What,
0: so where's your humanness fit into that whole picture? Uh,
3: you know, I think I relate to the tenants on very different levels. Each tenant's a little different. And what do you, you have mean to be you relate to the tenants?
0: What are you talking about? You have to be a chameleon. What well, do you mean? You
3: have to step into their shoes. I'm an empath. And you really have to understand their business and uh, sort of wear their hat. You're helping them make decisions. So sometimes they
0: may not be able to communicate clearly with you what they're really looking for, and you'll make those suggestions? A
3: lot of times. We help them boil it down to the real important things.
0: So it's reading between the lines. It's that empath. It's that intuitive ability of yours, which is pretty important. Absolutely. What's the website address of your organization?
3: McBrideRes.com.
0: Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Kate k Ch- tuning? Tuning. And the name of the organization?
3: McBride Real Estate Services. We'll be back
0: after this break. We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Michael O'Neill, founder and CEO of Get Well Network. Michael, what is Get Well Network?
13: Uh, Get Well Network is a healthcare technology company that works with large healthcare providers across the U.S. and the Middle East to help patients be more active in their healthcare journey. How large or how
0: small is this organization?
13: We have about 300 uh, Purple Teammates, as we call them, and about 600 providers. people, and how did you get a job with this company? Yeah, I actually started the company uh, about 17 years ago. You started the business. Interesting. Scott.
5: Uh, Yeah, Michael, where did you grow up, and uh, how many siblings did you have?
13: I grew up in Newburgh, New York, which is in the Hudson Valley, and uh, I'm the middle of five kids over about a a six-and-a-half-year period.
5: And how did being right in the middle uh, impact... Uh, the way that you
13: uh, developed your leadership style? You know, when you're a middle child, you have both um, older brothers showing you the ropes, and you have a little brother and sister who you're trying to show the ropes to. And so it kind of gives you a pretty well-rounded perspective around how to lead and, and, uh, and that kind of craft. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey?
8: Michael, I understand you had a medical crisis in your 20s. Uh, how did that uh, change your outlook?
13: You know, I was in the middle of grad school. actually thought I was going to uh, graduate with a uh, jd MBA and come out and Uh, go back into marketing where where I came from and and I had a personal cancer experience, spent a lot of time in surgery and chemotherapy and it really shaped uh, what I do today.
0: How how did it shape what you're doing today? What are you talking about?
13: It's going to sound a little bit crazy but I was uh, sitting in a hospital bed for 11 days at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore staring at a 15-year-old television with a couple of channels on it trying to figure out what the heck this cancer diagnosis was. And uh, it really woke me up to an idea around how we can use technology to empower patients to be more actively involved in their own care journey. So
0: you, you, un- you understood the demand. You understood the need because you experienced it personally. How young were you, 8 to 14, when you began to see the market you, you began know, to see opportunity. Yeah, interesting. You
13: know, uh, as as a kid, it was more around just being enamored. My both my parents were entrepreneurs, so it was more around thinking about uh, doing something that could impact the world. I had no idea what that would be. What do you mean thinking about sit.
0: how you could impact the world? How young were you when you were thinking this stuff?
13: You know, uh, my dad was a bit over the top. He'd come home from work every every day talking about how he had uh, changed the world through his leadership management. How young were you
0: him. when this was going on?
13: How old was I? How young were you when, you,
0: when your father was talking
13: to you this we week? We were young. We were, I mean, from the age of five, six, seven years old, this is kind of uh, the... And what would he talk to you about? He would, he would, he would just give us this, um, this hubris or his confidence, probably beyond his abilities or ours, um, that we were on this earth to do something. And how couldn't. do you
0: think that affected you?
13: Uh, it was almost like a um, expected to lead, you know, uh, just a self-confidence. Excuse me, let
0: me have that again.
13: Uh, we We just always were uh we we just grew up thinking that we we should be in leadership roles Steven. and a comfort there
6: well Michael, it sounds like you were some overachiever um tell me well let's go back to um your high school years. what kind of things did you do in school um that molded you to the person that you are today
13: so uh we grew up playing a lot of sports, it was a big sports community, so uh played a lot of basketball um Certainly wasn't the best player on the team, couldn't jump the highest, but... Uh, well, dude. let me guess,
6: you were the captain of the team?
13: <laughs> so I was, I was the captain, again, less about the ability, probably more about um, the coach seeing an, an opportunity to see someone who kind of rallies people around a cause. And does so that people, help you today? It really does, you know. Uh, this is very purpose-driven work. Uh, healthcare is a very hard industry, so you gotta really wanna get after it for a long time to make an impact. Thinking about some of those difficulties, uh, when do you find yourself doubting yourself? Um, uh, being a uh, private equity or venture capital-backed business and being in healthcare, there are like 40 times a day that we get incredibly humbled um, mm-hmm. by our owners, by our shareholders, by our customers, by our patients we're trying to serve. So, man, there's uh, there's more than enough opportunity to be questioning, and you got to pick yourself up and understand that you're at it for a purpose and continue to get after it. So with the Olympics starting today,
1: uh, Olympic athletes will tell you it's as much about attitude and character as it is their athletic ability. And You mentioned that you're necessarily not the best person on the team. If you had to pick an Olympic sport, what would that be and why?
13: So I'm uh, racking my brain to think about what appears to be the, the least athletic need in the in Olympics. So I'd probably be a curler because I could actually uh, sit around my brothers, have a few beers, and throw some ice discs uh, across the ice. It's probably be my best shot. Uh, Scott, what do you think of uh, I think that you were, it sounds like you were always
5: destined to be a uh, founder of a company or a CEO, um, but when you hit, when you got cancer uh, in your late 20s, how did that kind of shape the direction where you went? Um, I, th- I think you mentioned earlier, it gave you ideas, yeah. but personally, um, and how you relate to people, how did it how did it change you?
3: Yeah, I guess
13: really bluntly, uh, it simply um, gave me a life focus to just make it better for the next person up and from Uh, a business uh, standpoint. uh,
0: Give me that again, what was
13: that? When when you get into a cancer experience, um, it's pretty amazing, you watch how much it impacts people around you and for some reason you get at peace with it quicker than the rest of the folks around you and so when you come to grips with this whole thing, you just wanna make it better for the next person up and so it gave me a focus pretty early on in my cancer journey that said that's what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. And how does your business do that? So my business actually helps to educate, inform, activate patients around their conditions in real time. So instead of getting chewed up by the healthcare system, we kind of put the patient in control by giving them better information at their fingertips. And wh- where
0: did the stay. money come from to start this business?
13: Um, a bunch of, uh, first of all, a bunch of really trusted uh, friends and families kicking in a dollar or two here and there. Uh, to how much get money have you raised to date? Uh, we've raised, um, uh, I don't know, over $150, $200 million 200000000 dollars Excuse me?
0: You've raised 150 to $200 million. You've raised that. That's a, these are people that are trusting you with their money.
13: Yeah, uh-huh. it kind of goes in waves. It starts with some friends and family uh-huh. and some fools, myself uh-huh. included, and then progresses uh-huh. from there as things so, go. So, uh,
0: so when things start going wrong, I mean, the bottom line is you've got to keep things quiet if things start going wrong. I mean, I read this in the newspapers and litigation and problems all the time. I mean, is that the way you run your business?
13: You know, we are uh, an embarrassingly transparent crew. It's how I live my life. Um, It's how I am with my brothers and sisters, my parents, my shareholders, my investors, my teammates. And so um, we kind of laid it all out there. We actually feel like that's what the world needs, that's what our company needs, and it's actually served us quite well. I just needed you to tell me that. I wasn't sure I needed to find out who's got the
0: next question.
6: Hey Michael, after raising what sounds like a tremendous amount of money and huge efforts, how'd you make your first buck?
13: Uh, So when I was in grad school, I I did um, student research with a bunch of hospital CEOs in the area. And one of them, uh, after the research came back, said, hey, we'd love to help you um, make this vision a reality through the research. And so I said, well, it'd be great if you sign this three-year contract. I had no software. Then it would really be helpful. And this guy actually did. And so uh, he became a three-time customer over a 12-year period. and, And that's how we actually took that contract and went and go raise money off this first contract.
0: So your nature is to see an opportunity and to keep
13: on building on that opportunity and building on that opportunity and building on that opportunity. You're not one to jump from thing to thing, are you? No. You know, uh, early in my career, prior to going to grad school, I jumped around three or four different jobs. And uh Man, you know, uh, once we were woken up to kind of uh, the right purpose in life to go have impact, I have not woken up a single day feeling like I was working, and I haven't had a single chance. To Give me that thing.
0: Else. You woken up to what? Give me that again.
13: Just this notion of um, waking up, not thinking about doing anything else but the task at hand has been present for seventeen plus years now. It's been. And a very how did you get that way. focus? Uh, when you're laying in the bed uh, at 28, I just got engaged, and they're telling you this chemo has a fifty-fifty shot at working. It pretty much. Um, puts a centering on uh, what you want right. to do. <laughs> you had just been engaged and you found this out? Yeah, I was engaged for three months uh, to a little 104 pound mm-hmm. Armenian ball mm-hmm. of fire, who's my wife today, and and um, so kind of have put her so through a your couple wife early stuck, tests. So
0: stu- your wife stuck with you through this whole thing? Yeah. Well, you know about loyalty and building long-term relationships, don't you, through and the I course came. of time. more
1: very blessed. So you've been through a lot of different experiences and, and learned a lot of things. If you're gonna give a graduation speech to high school students now, what are the main themes of that?
13: Yeah, you know, I really think it's for me, my life. I've just been so grateful to be around people who have taught me um, authenticity, uh, positivity, and gratitude. And those things for me in my life have been incredibly powerful, both in good times and in bad, to be honest with you. And that's really what I would hope I can impart a little bit of experience sharing uh, to those young kids. I don't know.
0: I, I'm trying to figure out why you feel you were blessed. You had a terrible situation occur, and, you know,
13: give me that again. I guess through these. Um, incredibly poignant human times like you find such gratefulness that you have a single day and uh becomes pretty easy to be honest
0: Mm -hmm. next question who's got it
13: who do you go to for advice uh so um my brothers and sister are my best friends in the world we literally grew up it was honestly like a pack of wolves we did everything together the neighborhood kids couldn't stand we wouldn't play on different teams it was always us versus them it was that kind of growing up so they're my best friends in the world we talk four or five times a week and and um I get a mm-hmm. lot of advice from them. Hey, we Jeffrey? Advice.
8: <laughs> oh. Here we go. Jeffrey? Hmm? Yes. Uh, you wanted to uh, change the world, and a lot of folks from Georgetown Law uh, do that through public service. But instead, you chose to be an entrepreneur uh, on this healthcare venture. Why is that?
13: You know, I, I will tell you one thing about, you know, Georgetown. Uh, I would hate for you guys to have my law school transcript in front of you right now. Yeah. Um, so, I, I barely got through, but, but I would tell you the community and the work taught me to think about things from five different angles. And um, I knew from the very beginning I, I didn't belong in the practice of law. I belonged actually learning how to think well and then figuring out what the purpose was in my life. And I happened to, in some cases, again, get lucky by getting sick to really kind of put a focus and focal point on where I wanted to spend my time. Wow. Oof. What's, the, uh, what's the website address of uh, Get Well Network? It's uh, getwellnetwork.com.
0: Let me have that one more time. It's
13: getwellnetwork.com.
0: We're speaking with Michael O'Neill, founder and CEO of Go All well Network. Here are on Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Joe Applebaum. Potomac Companies, Mark G G. Scott Pacheco, and Steve Robbins, Alert, Early, and Brewer. Jeff Morris, Nathaniel Jacobson, Tim Young, Young Marketing Consulting. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment, right after this break. And your name is? Mark Isaacson. And Mark, what organization are you with? Uh, IQU Health. And what is, what makes IQU health special? What do you guys do special?
14: We are the folks that are taking the traditional healthcare system of the 20th century and moving to the 21st century by doing personalization for people and scaling personalization for people.
0: So you're telling me that aside from going to the doc to get traditional medicine, I can come to this site and your your site's going to help me understand how what kinds of stuff will help me. Yes, we have a cloud-based
14: system that allows an individual to come in and do an assessment, which is, is is the ability to scale personalization for the first time. And then we include labs and genomics as well. So ultimately, if we have 330 million people in the U.S., we have 330 million unique, one-of-a-kind uh, recommendations and guidance. So as
0: opposed to taking an aspirin and having the same effect on everybody, the truth is it doesn't.
14: It does not because everyone's got unique biochemistry and unique Genes and and our core healthcare system is really built around one size fits all managing symptoms and that's and and the way it's going to work in the future is everyone is unique and everyone needs their unique one of a kind. Uh, so you're helping you're
0: helping me understand what makes me unique and then how different kinds of stuff can affect me to help solve whatever is going wrong with me.
14: That is a hundred percent correct
0: and you're 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 running this is a business affiliated with um, the pharmacy that's right across from the National Institute of Health which has been in business 50 years and you've assembled a whole mess of advisors around this what's that website address again so the website is iqyouhealth.com let me have that one more time
14: iqyouhealth.com
0: and we've been speaking with Mark Isaacson who is the what title do you have ceo of iq health thank you very much
7: I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District.
0: And what is the Boston Business Improvement District?
7: We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet. The first satellite. All were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston.
0: How, how old is this organization?
7: We're just just shy of six years old.
0: How long have you been there? Have you been uh,
7: almost six years as well.
0: Did you found this organization?
7: Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did
0: mm-hmm. you do that?
7: Well, the the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners why,
0: in why, Boston. Why does why, it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on?
7: <laughs> people. I mean, we the 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 ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that we have incredible minds in the washington dc area and Boston is as i said the epicenter for the smartest people in this area so
0: your job you're like the master connector
7: i feel like the mayor of of Ballston, the mayor of innovation because that's uh-huh. what's happening
0: so your idea your thought is in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people Exactly, and you like being in the middle of all that. I, stuff. Oh, we
7: love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting.
0: So it's all about the people, and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job? Oh, for you? Hell
7: no! It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So
0: do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that?
7: Yeah, sure, sure.
0: Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. It's
7: BostonBid.com, and, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app.
0: Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more time.
7: BostonBid.com
0: it's B-A, give me the spelling on that.
7: B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com.
0: Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at com. That's mentors at com, to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Ian Schuler, CEO of Development Seed. Ian, what is Development Seed?
15: Development Seed is a data engineering company. We take really hard, complex data, satellite imagery, cell phone data, and use machine learning and other tools to turn that into insight for decision makers. And
0: how how large or small is this organization?
15: Twenty-seven person organization, mostly based in Washington D.C. And where are you from originally? I'm from St. Mary's, Pennsylvania.
0: St. Mary's, Pennsylvania. In the All woods right.
15: of northwestern PA.
0: And how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh,
15: I have four brothers and sisters. Where are you in the
0: pecking order? I was the oldest. And you told us earlier that when you were a kid that when you were 12 years old you made your family out of friends. What are you talking about there?
15: Yeah I mean uh, my my mom and dad loved us all very much. They didn't always get along with each other very well and and part of my way of coping with that was to was to get out of the house from time to time And, and I was fortunate to have a be in a great community where I was able to build a, a network, a second family out of friends, teachers, people I knew through Boy Scouts. How's
0: that, um, how's that ability of uh, being able to build a community help you in growing this business?
15: Well at the core I think I, it is a business but I think the work that we're doing in the industry we're in it is a family at the same time and the people who are going to be successful are the people who treat those relationships the same way they would treat a brother or sister. Hmm.
1: Uh, who's got the next question here? In your group of friends growing up, what was your particular role?
15: Yeah, I was I was part joker and part instigator. I was sort of the the person who came up with the, that the, the made the mood lighter or came up with the idea of the thing that we should be trying out next.
1: But you were sort of a fixer.
15: Yeah, a little bit, yeah, um, and definitely uh, seeing opportunities for um, for troublemaking in some cases, but also problem solving whenever it needed to happen. Mm-hmm. So,
6: Ian, um, you said that uh, mom and dad didn't always get along, mm-hmm. and that you uh, actually made your uh, family in a way out of uh, your community. Yeah. But um, what positive things do you still think you picked up from mom and dad?
15: Oh yeah, I mean I got a lot from my my, my father uh, taught me how to how to. Um, play chess. He taught me how to build things out of wood. He taught me hunting and fishing. My mom uh, taught me how to read at an early age, so I was one of the kids in, in uh, kindergarten who was teaching the other kids how to read. She taught me about birds and appreciating nature, and, and they, they gave me a lot.
0: That thing about you teaching other kids how to read, how's that, how's that coming through nowadays in your role as a CEO of Development Seed?
15: Yeah, it, 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 it put me in a place where I started with a lot of curiosity and a lot of uh, desire to get information out of other people, but also give it to other people, and it's made me a collaborator. It's it, our our decision making style at Development Seed is that nobody has the monopoly on the right idea. That we work together to figure out what the how to solve a problem. Scott,
5: uh, you mentioned uh, you uh, played chess. You went hunting, and earlier you also mentioned that you uh, were in band. You played soccer. You uh, you ran track. Uh, have you always been? Uh, that curious about uh, trying new things and has that carried over? Uh, yeah, absolutely.
15: Uh, through college I was in all sorts of activities in school. My first job sent me to 60 different countries so, and it gave me a real opportunity to see how different professions and cultures solve problems and that is something that I bring every day to uh, to the work that I'm doing is new ways to solve problems.
8: Ian is a fellow small-town Pennsylvanian. Um, I know how what a prior, no, what not a priority, it is to go to college in those yeah. communities. What led you to uh, technical field studies at uh, uh, Johns Hopkins University?
15: Yeah, I think you know I, I was one of those people who learned to read early and was um, singled out as somebody who was going to get out and somebody who was going to go somewhere. So I had a lot of support and encouragement from my my teachers, but also a lot of with that came some responsibility like I was the person who was going to be able to make the world a better place like some of the other the other folks you've had the people who are gonna uh, who, who it, it came with a responsibility to to pr- to provide to take advantage of the gifts that I was given Tim
4: so how does that responsibility manifest itself? I mean, we hear a lot about technology as a, a, mm-hmm. a big evil these days. Um, so, you know, what's out there on the horizon for you, and how are you keeping it on the side of good?
15: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, d- Development Seeds is very much a mission and impact-driven organization. We're trying to use tech. We're work- the groups we're working with are development organizations, the World Bank, positions for human rights. We're helping them use tech to make the world better. We're very cognizant of some of the risks. Uh, I, in my previous job, did a lot of work around digital security and privacy. And so uh, we're we're extremely thoughtful about how we use these very powerful tools to make the world Mm a better place.
8: Jeffrey? Yeah, you mentioned uh, that you were taught chess by your father. Um, That's a fairly analytical background. Um, What is it about chess or other similar types of things that led you to your entrepreneurial style
15: um, I like uh, figuring out the game. I like gaming the system, understanding how the system works, pulling it apart, and figuring out those tweaks that that create something new and different, or find a new way of of, um, of exploiting the rules. Yeah, I, I was I was intrigued by the
6: by the uh, chess analogy too. Mm. I'm curious, when you were young, besides chess, what other type of strategic things did you do that molded you into the person <laughs> that you are today.
15: Uh, super geeky things. I would uh, uh, big into from the erector set to Dungeons and Dragons to taking apart radios like I was I was definitely uh, I was pretty quiet as a kid. I was the kid on the back of the bus daydreaming a lot of the time before I've, I've kind of picked up a more sh- social streak in middle school. Scott, do you do you find that you still daydream? Yeah, absolutely. I'm. Uh, pro- I have probably three or four different threads going on right now.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: Scott, you mentioned you were the oldest of four. Uh, how did that uh, create expectations for you? And do you have you embraced those as you've gotten older?
15: Yeah, it's it's it definitely put me in a place where, uh, unlike my younger brothers and sisters, I was sort of setting the tone. Right, I was creating the name, I, and that is something that has been helpful for me as I've shifted from jobs where. It has been more of being a manager to having to figure out how to actually be a leader. Uh, that was one of the hard things: is being back in that position where I had to figure out where we were going instead do of. You, Ian, do to you think
0: else. this daydreaming happens to be one of your strengths?
15: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think the some of the both the best and worst ideas that I have uh, come from. Those moments where uh, I m- make a connection. And fortunately, I have a team of really, really smart mm-hmm. people around me who can weed out the bad what's ideas. Uh, what is
0: the, the website for address things. for this organization? It,
15: developmentseed.org. You have been
0: speaking with Ian Schuler, CEO of Development Seed here on Executive Leaders Radio. And Mr. Mark Haas, can you please give us a rundown on who has been on the air with us today?
1: Sure thing, Herb. Uh, first, we had Mary Davis Gangana, CEO President of DTS Worldwide Transportation, um, Robert Might, President and CEO of Innovative Management Concepts, Michael O'Neill, Founder and CEO of GetWell Network, and we've just spoken with Ian Schuller, CEO of Development Seed.
0: I'd like to thank my co-host, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Mark Haas, AEG, Scott Pacheco, and Steve Robbins, Lurch Early Brewer, Jeff Morris, Nathaniel Jacobson, and Tim Young, Young Marketing Consulting, for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We are broadcast from Georgia Mason University School of Business in Arlington.